What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. And you have found our podcast. Thank Woo-hoo! you so much. Thanks. Now, <clears throat> gonna let you in on a little secret here, friends. We are actually recording from the future. The future. <laughs> well, so it's uh, your past and technically it's our past too. But uh, the version of Brent and Zach that you are about to listen to, they are from many years ago. Many uh, moves. Yeah, so we are currently in their future. And so, so what we've Hi done- past Zach. Hi, past Brent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't hear us, Zach. They, 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 Dang it. That doesn't, that's not how it works. Sorry. Uh, so we, so much has changed over the many years that we've been doing this podcast that we wanted to kind of put a bumper basically in front of some of these episodes uh, right in the early spots. This is it. You're listening to it. Uh, we wanted to kind of tell you some, a few things about us. So first and foremost, we're an independent podcast. We've stayed independent through the whole thing. You've got a whole lot of episodes to listen to. And while we make some gags about uh, advertisers at points, uh, we haven't taken a single advertiser dollar this whole time. It's just for funsies. Um, We really are having a great time doing it. And we think that uh, you honestly, I think that you're going to like listening to it if you get past the first season or two, which is like most things, honestly, right? Like it takes a little bit before you find your groove. Uh, we do have abilities or ways for people to support our show that has changed over the years. Currently we're using buy me a coffee. You can go to our website, uh, Zach will tell us about that in just a second. And hey, we say this in just about every single podcast that we've done. It's still true now. We've added a few more services. If you're liking what you're listening to and you want to tell somebody else about it, they can find us uh, in a lot of places. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now Spotify. Or no, we think we've had Spotify since a long time. That's from the beginning. Yeah. We also added iHeartRadio Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. We've got a little player on our website. They can find us on podcast aggregators. We're We're in a lot of different spots. So, uh, Zach, yeah. if a person wants to get a hold of us and let us know that they've, uh, they've, they've found us and that, uh, that they're enjoying what they've got going on, how might, they, how might they reach out and let us know? Well, that's a good question, Brent. The easiest way to reach out to us is to use that old-fangled technology called email. Yeah. And go walking through the stargate at gmail.com, which yep. is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com precisely Um, as it should be exactly like that uh that has always been the case we also have a facebook page and a facebook group you can go to that uh early on we also were on twitter and so you will hear us talking about twitter uh since we started this podcast twitter has done some weird things and we have said nope that's it we're done Yep. yep so our twitter face twitter page and twitter presence has disappeared yes um since the very beginning, we added our website. We have a website, WTTS.space. Space! Uh, this is really important. This is where you're going to be able to get all of our episodes. They're all online there. Uh, you can access to... Uh, there's a Facebook link there. There's a yep. Discord link there. Yep. Uh, there's um, all sorts of things there. Discord, that's a big thing. Our community lives on Discord more yeah. than any place else. That's right. Uh, so go to our website, WTTS.space. Oh, space. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Go to our website and click on the Discord link and join us there. Uh, The other thing that's changed is uh, eventually we decided that uh, I needed a new computing device. And so we got onto the Patreons. Yeah. 
Uh, and we did Patreon for about uh, two and a half years or so. A little while, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but uh, we decided that that wasn't a platform that's working well for us. And so we have shifted gears to, I think you mentioned it earlier, buy me a coffee. Yep. Uh, there are different tiers and things. You can find information by going to our website, wtts.space. Space! And then clicking on the lower right-hand corner, there's a little coffee icon. Click on that. That'll get you to that. Yep. Uh, and you'll have all the information that you need there to support us if you wish on that. Yeah, totally. And I, w- if you were actually thinking about that, I would expect that you'd be thinking about that like after many episodes, not the first one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, uh, the the content is all been free. We don't have not kept anything behind a paywall. Nope. Uh, when we had the Patreon, we had some things that were Patreon first, but all of that stuff went out onto the main feed, and yep. you'll hear that as you go along. Um, this is just a way people said they wanted to support us, which flabbergasts me, no, frankly. It's fantastic. But it's awesome. Uh, and so this is how, uh, if you want, you can. Yeah. That's all it is. That's, That's all it. it is. Okay. So, uh, uh, thanks for listening to this bumper. Uh, I hope you enjoy, uh, the episode that is to come. Yeah. Uh, and we will see you in your future. Yeah. Uh, it's right. So to see it all comes back full circle. That's how it works. Absolutely. All right. Have fun. What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Hi, I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. And this is the presently named Talking Stargate with Brent and Zach podcast. We're working on it. It's it's a work in progress. Uh, This uh, podcast is going to walk... A person, namely me, through the Stargate universe. Uh, Zach and I have been friends for quite a while, and uh, he has been a fan of the Stargate universe for quite some time. I've seen the movie a few times, but I never saw any of the episodes, and that is a bit weird for somebody like me because I am a big sci-fi fan. So we decided that it would be a great little project to uh, get together, watch the episodes, chat about it, and uh, record our reactions for posterity's sake. So here we are. So uh, thank you, Zach, for taking me on this wonderful journey. I really appreciate it. You're going to love it. I hope I will. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to start off every episode with a synopsis of whatever episode we happen to be on in the series. Uh, As it happens, we are currently recording episode zero. For those who uh, could possibly have ever known that this is actually the second attempt at episode zero we're sorry for making you listening listen to the first attempt of episode zero we promise we'll get better uh but uh each episode we're going to talk about the subsequent episode in the series and so episode zero is going to be the movie we're going to be talking about the 1994 movie stargate Uh, i had a chance to watch it again a few weeks ago now uh, and I'm going to shortly turn this thing over to Zach, who's going to tell us a little bit about it, and then we're going to chat about our reaction to it uh, and what we thought was great and terrible and funny and amazing and kind of interesting. And as time goes on, I'm sure this thing's going to develop into a pretty awesome conversation. All right. So just a point of order. I'm pulling this synopsis from the SG Command wiki page. Um, it's a wiki, so things may change by the time you look it up. But here we go. Let's uh, rock. Giza, Egypt, 1928. An archaeological dig is taking place in Giza, Egypt in 1928, where Professor Paul Langford discovers an artifact, a large metal ring with symbols all along the edge with nine chevrons that has been protected by cover stones. 
Uh, we also see his young daughter, Catherine, acquiring a gold amulet. And then it shifts to the present day. After becoming the laughing stock at one of his seminars, where he proposes an unpopular theory about the building of the Egyptian pyramids, Dr. Daniel Jackson, played by James Spader, uh, a radical young, down-on-his-luck Egyptologist, is confronted by Catherine, now an old woman, about a job decoding Egyptian hieroglyphs for the United States Air Force. Meanwhile, Colonel Jack O'Neill has been recalled to active service. O'Neill has recently experienced the death of his son, who accidentally killed himself with his father's gun. Consequently, O'Neill has become sullen and morose. Predictably, thrilled at having achieved employment, Jackson travels to Colorado to accept Catherine's proposal. Inside a former nuclear missile silo, he is presented with the cover stones. He finds the translation of the hieroglyphs on the inner tract is wrong and corrects it, discovering portion, the portion translated as door to heaven, door to heaven uh, should really read Stargate. Over the course of the next two weeks, Jackson puzzles over the mysterious seven symbols in the center of the cartouche. Due to a chance incident, he discovers that these seven symbols are not actually words to be translated, but star constellations. When explaining his findings to Major General W.O. West, he states that the cartouche charts a course to a point in deep space with seven symbols, six for the destination and one for the point of origin. West decides to show Jackson the artifact discovered in 1928, that is, the Stargate itself. After Jackson quickly discovers which symbol on the gate is the point of origin, the gate is activated, creating a wormhole between it and another gate on the other side of the known universe. An initial probe is sent through the gate, revealing the planet on the other side can support human life. The military is planning on sending a reconnaissance team headed by O'Neill through the gate, but the symbols of the gate on the other side are different. Jackson volunteers to go along so he can realign the Stargate on the other side so the team can return to Earth. West okays the mission and Catherine gives Jackson her amulet so he can bring it along as good luck. The team steps through the gate and comes out in an Egyptian temple of the desert planet. However, the team is in for an unpleasant surprise when they discover Jackson doesn't know how to realign the Stargate, lacking the proper order of alignment or the planet's point of origin. Uh, so Jackson believed uh, believe that there's another cartouche that would be waiting for him right on the other side with this information, but this was not the case. Most of the men become very angry with Jackson when they discover they may not be able to return home, but unflappable O'Neill seems to accept this fate in stride and begins setting up a Mark III nuclear warhead near the Abydos Stargate. Uh, by the way, Abydos is the name of the planet that they are currently on. Uh, meanwhile, Jackson was in, was a. Meanwhile, Jackson has a run-in with a local beast of burden, uh, and is dragged across the desert. The team splits up with one half under the command of O'Neill, heading after the archaeologist, while the others, commanded by Lieutenant Ferretti, stay behind at the temple. After catching up with Jackson, O'Neill and the others discover just over a nearby hill a group of primitive people uh, mining something. 
Uh, they discover that it's the same mineral that the Stargate is made out of. Upon spotting Catherine's amulet around Jackson's neck, uh, which has the eye of Ra on it, the people immediately begin worshipping the travelers, believing they were sent by the god Ra. The people take the team to their primitive walled city, which protects them from a coming sandstorm. O'Neill's team remains at the city overnight, while Ferretti's forces are forced to retreat inside the temple due to the storm. Meanwhile, Jackson is unknowingly married to the daughter of the patriarchal leader, uh, and at that same time, O'Neill befriends Skara, who uh, we find out is uh, the chief's son. In the middle of the night, an alien spacecraft lands on a period behind the temple, and several armored guards round up Ferretti and the rest of his team. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jackson's bride, her name is Shauri, uh, leads him to a room filled with writings, and he discovers that the people of Abydos are ruled by an alien posing as the god Ra. Ra, he discovers, has achieved immortal life inside the human body, uh, inside a human body, and forces the Abydonians to mine this mineral for his technology. Uh, Lieutenant Kowalski finds another cartouche with the return coordinates in the same room. However, the seventh symbol has worn off and is now indecipherable. Convinced they will be trapped on Abydos forever, the team head back to the temple. But O'Neill and Jackson are captured and brought before Ra. Ra presents them with the bomb O'Neill planted, and Jackson is horrified to discover what the colonel had been planning. O'Neill attempts to kill Ra, but he is overpowered and Jackson is killed in the struggle. However, uh, fortunately for Jackson, he awakens in a sarcophagus and uh, encounters Ra, who tells him that he plans to send the nuclear bomb back to Earth with a dose of that mineral, increasing its power a hundredfold. Furthermore, Ra tells Jackson to kill his comrades before the Abedonians, therefore validating Ra's position as their god. If Jackson refuses to do this, Ra will kill him, his comrades, and all the Abedonians. At a large public event, Jackson begins to grudgingly carry out the executions. However, Skara reveals that he and the other Abedonian children have firearms from the Stargate team. At the last moment, Jackson turns his staff weapon on Ra and fires. The team and the kids retreat into the desert to hide from Ra. Jackson forces O'Neill to reveal his orders involving the bomb and explains Ra's plan to the others. When he finds Skara sketching and a drawing of their successful escape from Ra, Jackson discovers the point of origin for Abydos. The Abedonian youngsters and the team advance towards the temple, but Jackson, O'Neill, and Shauri are trapped inside. Kowalski, Ferretti, Skara, and the others are trapped outside, where they are assaulted by two death gliders. Inside the temple, O'Neill sets the bomb for seven minutes. When Shauri is killed by a guard, Jackson uses the transportation rings to go aboard Ra's ship to bring her back to life with the sarcophagus. After Jackson and Shauri escape off Ra's ship, O'Neill attempts to disarm the bomb, but discovers that it has been rigged. Meanwhile, uh, the rest of the Abedonians uh, uh, 
face off with Ra's forces, and Ra, realizing that the Abedonians are rebelling against him, makes his ship lift off. In an act of desperation, O'Neill and Jackson send the uh, bomb that they could not disarm aboard Ra's ship with the transportation rings. The bomb goes off, killing Ra and destroying his ship. O'Neill and his men return to Earth, but Jackson chooses to stay behind with Shauri. Before O'Neill leaves, Jackson hands him Catherine's amulet and tells him to tell her that it brought him luck. O'Neill agrees, and after bidding farewell, steps through the Stargate. And there ends the movie. And that's the movie. It's a great movie. I love the movie. And at the same time, I find it a very typical uh, summer blockbuster movie. Yep, yep. So one thing that uh, that I decided to do when I was watching this movie was uh, to look at it from the point of view of somebody from the mid-90s, uh, an average moviegoer, because it was a blockbuster movie. It was uh, meant to be seen by as many people as possible. And so uh, even though I don't claim to have any kind of like expert knowledge of ancient Egyptian cultures or uh, language or any of that, I decided to really just kind of like focus in on uh, seeing it through the eyes of somebody who knew as much as, you know, King Tut and, you know, pyramids and sarcophagi uh, and, you know, like that, 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 that's kind of it. And so uh, as a result, uh, I thought that there was a lot of cool stuff about it. I also found a couple things that I thought were hilariously bad, but that's sort of the nature of the movie. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to sort of state outright before we get going too far into it is that uh, if it wasn't obvious from the nature of this show, uh, we are going to be talking about every single one of these things in depth, meaning uh, I know some shows have like a little spoiler warning. I'm pretty sure that this whole thing is a giant spoiler. So if you are like me and you have never seen the show and you somehow want to remain free of any influence, uh, miraculously like I have remained, uh, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast at all. It would be probably inadvisable. Uh, second thing that I wanted to point out is that uh, at first I thought I was going to have to like restart uh, uh, the uh, Netflix DVD subscription that I had. And uh, Zach had pointed me into the uh, Stargate Command app. And for a flat fee of $20, you have access to their entire catalog, all the movies, all the television shows, the whole thing. Uh, doing the cost-benefit analysis, I quickly determined that this would be a good idea. I was also a little leery about the streaming quality. Uh, in fact, some reviews were complaining about the streaming quality to certain streaming devices, and I have not found that to be a problem at all. Uh, it streamed great, and the quality was high, and so I think that that is... Uh, something that was a problem in maybe past versions of the app, but it's not the case now. So I would highly recommend uh, taking a look at that Stargate command app and springing for that all access pass. So that said, uh, I can tell you what I liked. Yes. What did you like about this movie? I really liked uh, the retcon. I loved how much fun it was to see somebody reimagine explaining ancient Egyptian culture within the framework that was like an alien race. I thought that uh, even though some of the uh, visual elements uh, weren't, uh, how best to describe it? They, they, it wasn't like it was, um, they weren't forcing 
alienness into the ancient Egyptian aspect. And so in that respect, like they just took like the, 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 the look of the, the, uh, of Ra's, uh, um, servants, uh, as wrote, right? Like they looked exactly like they did in any other movie that I might've seen, uh, dealing with ancient Egypt. There wasn't anything particularly novel about that or, uh, different about that, but some really kind of clever, uh, interweavings of ancient Egyptian culture within that idea of an alien race, like the sarcophagus mm-hmm. as simple of a device as that, uh, a plot device as that was, uh, it was kind of cool to see this, uh, humongous stone object that is, uh, it must weigh tons in real life. And of course, you know, it holds the, uh, the, the mummified remains, uh, as well as any, uh, special attribute or special, decorations or anything that they might be on like adorning that body that that same motif is being used as a method to restore a body uh, yeah. as simple of a, an idea as that is it was kind of cool yep. to see that i uh liked a lot of the other clever things too i liked the the you know anubis as the guards so all the guards were the dog the dog god uh the sarcophagus is the healing box i liked uh, i really thought it was fun that the native language of the abadonians was a dialect of ancient Egyptian. I remember even when I first watched the movie when I was a teenager, how when that moment in the movie hit, I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, it was like, hey, that's fun. That's a cool way to think about that. Yeah. Like, this guy who's studied ancient Egyptian all his life is actually able to communicate with these people because it's just a dialect of what he had before. And it's really fun. Like, imagine being able to see that or go, like, suddenly discover a culture that's speaking a dead language and being able to hear from them what it actually is meaning. Yeah. It's completely impractical in real life. It never would have happened like that. There's so much time that would have passed that that even if uh, they, they started off with the same language after uh, six or 10,000 years, there would be so yeah. much change in the language that uh, it would be far beyond a, an actual dialect. Uh, so in real life, it is so ridiculously impractical. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yes. But as a, as a plot device, as part of the story and the mythos of, of this thing we call Stargate, I, I think it's brilliant. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. It, it was... It, 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 obviously served to connect the hero into this previously distant people like it 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 suddenly revealed in one way or another oh they're us uh you know they're not aliens they're just us and so that connection was formed pretty fast which is well, neat. it also it also gave uh jackson some validity as a character uh up mm-hmm. until this point we had seen somebody who was clearly very smart but also uh, a complete moron and just yeah. uh, virtually useless in this uh, uh, fantastical world of the Air Force and another planet. Uh, and with, <laughs> yeah. with just this little tiny thing of, of, of shifting his ability to speak uh, that language, uh, ancient Egyptian, uh, all of a sudden you get the character, now he has the ability to, to translate and to become... Uh, that that uh, uh, means of communication, uh, yeah. and it becomes uh, uh, it gives him something to work with as a character, and and, and so plot wise, that's a really clever device. Yeah, and then shifting a little bit more into like the practical sort of production elements of the movie, I thought that those special effects held up pretty well. 
Um, there's, there's definitely something to be said for the physical effects, like the props and that, um, you know, the puppet water Buffalo mm-hmm. thing that they used. Um, you, you know, you can, you can spot a puppet a mile away, but there, but there's just something tangible about it that is so, um, satisfying versus straight CG, uh, especially as time goes on. Uh, you know, I remember other movies, uh, 15 years ago, cutting edge movies and thinking to myself, how on earth have we achieved such realism with our computer graphics? And now I look back at it and I think to myself, how on earth did I not see this as, uh, you know, a complete farce of reality, right? <laughs> look at that. It's so fake looking there. Yeah. That skin is so leathery, like it or something, whatever that is. Yep. Uh, you know, the, 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 um, the special effects that they did use as far as like the CG stuff, um, if they did, I don't know if they did any CG at all. Now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of it looked like it was drawn in. Yeah. Most of the, I, I would, I don't know for sure, but I don't, there was relatively little, uh, computer generated graphics. I mean, the mid nineties, there weren't a lot of that happening. Right. Relatively speaking. Um, well, I know that, uh, the guards like headpieces as they, you know, folded back in on those things. It, uh, it could have very well been CG, but it did kind of have a bit more of an animated feel than a CG feel. Yeah, it looked a little fake as, you know, it looked great when when the head was completely up. And yes. it looked cool after it had gone down. But yes. the, the shift, while it was cool to see, go... Yes. Reminded me of Transformers <laughs> when I was a kid. Yes. Uh, but that did look <laughs> a little bit uh, fake. Um at that point in time, yeah. but it didn't pull yeah. me out by any stretch. No, no. And I, I know that, uh, the explanation for the pooling visual effect of the gate when it's turned on, I'm confident that the actual effect that they use is really simple, but, um, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, you know, it had a very awesome, random shimmery factor to it, which I'm confident they just like filmed a pool or something, but I don't care. Like they made it really look like that, pool was completely 90 degrees oh yeah off, you know straight up well and then and i i loved that scene as as the gate was opening for the first time and and everything was shaking and then when when that last chevron locked into place um and and then you hear that kawoosh and all that i thought yeah. that that visual effect was just absolutely spectacular uh and then uh to see uh, finally, Jackson to kind of step through that, and then to go that that uh, roller coaster ride through space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was really really well done, uh, and I, I just really loved that that special effect there. I think that if ever I have an opportunity to see this movie on the big screen, I'm totally going to take it just for that scene. Yeah, I can imagine that in a very dark theater. Uh, once that scene hits. Uh, you know, your field of vision is just completely subsumed with that screen. And then they really did a great job of of utilizing that um, framing, the screen framing to create this visual like um, illusion, basically, that, you know, you're zipping through space. I- I'm confident that if I were sitting in the theater, it would literally feel like the movie theater was like moving oh, up, down, I, I bet. right as this thing was zooming uh, through. It, yeah. It's got that element of, of those magic motion rides. Yes. Um, yes. That all you would need is just a little bit of a vibration in your actual chair and you'd feel like you'd actually <laughs> yeah. be zipping through space right there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else did I like? Um, oh yeah. And then there's this like just kind of real life aspect, you know, 
I think it's really neat that there's a story that got created that was so popular that it warranted the creation of several TV series, mm-hmm. you know, and several years worth of content. Um, that it wasn't just this moment of trying to shoehorn a television series out of a popular movie, but that you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, they really had a lot of content to work with. Yeah, um, I'm excited to go through this content because that's part of the reason why I'm. Wanting to do this little project, I, there's no way that you can create so many series without that much story to tell. Uh, I'm excited to go through that, but it's really fun to be like, "Hey, you know what? It all started with this this 1994 movie about uh, you know ancient Egypt in space." Yep, yep. Uh, just you know, as we move, uh, as is true with anything that starts off as as a movie and then kind of gets morphed into a television show, there are things that get that change a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. One of the neat things about uh, the movie, and it works really, really good for a standalone movie in the mid-90s, is that Abydos, this planet, is uh, on the other side of the known universe, they say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I hate to burst your bubble, uh, but uh, uh, when we get to the actual TV show, you'll find out very quickly, i.e. the first episode, uh, that uh, uh, they change things around, and Abydos is not the furthest away that you could possibly imagine. It's actually the closest of all of the possible places uh, <laughs> to yeah. Earth. Um, yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, you know, y- 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 it's okay, though, because I remember one of the things, like, uh, this wasn't really a, like a bad bullet point in my little list here, but uh, I did recall as I was watching it, you know, the, the probe goes through the Stargate and all of a sudden the little like a little marker on the map starts zipping across the map, right? It's like zoomy zoomy. Everybody's like staring at it. Where's it going to stop? Where's it going to stop? And it finally stops, right? Presumably it stops on the star uh, that is the Abydos or the, yeah, the Abydos system. And I'm looking at this. This is one of those rare moments that I'm sitting there just going like, how, how? How is that po- like? What's going on here? Is the probe like triangulating its position using a star map? Is it using like radio waves? Because that's impossible. Like, there's all these things <laughs> that are sort of going through my head of like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then you know the explanation of it's on the other side of the known galaxy, known galaxy or known universe. Known universe. It, they actually it's say it's far, in a it's, distant galaxy. It's so far away, oh, and. Okay. uh uh, so it's and, and hearing let's now be honest, that it's in the '90s, they wouldn't have had anything that would have been able to figure out, practically speaking, no. that that it was on the other side of the galaxy. Uh, no, that, I mean, especially inside a, a pyramid, like you know, yeah. like the probe was in a building the whole time, like <laughs> like maybe they're like ask reception, you know, yep. where am I at? Yeah, the other side of the known universe. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, it works really, really good if you just, you know, strap in and go for the ride. But if you start to yes. think about that, it's, yes. it's more than a little bit ridiculous, which, yeah. quite frankly, is the whole story. It's kind yeah, of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of fun. But I get into too much trouble when I try to take too much literally away from these types of stories i i completely see the point that uh getting hung up about that probe's ability to figure out where it is in the universe is a complete minor point now there was one other good thing that i wanted to uh point out okay it's because of a story that you happen to told have told me before uh the uh character that eric avari plays so eric avari was the leader of the of the town uh 
uh, we were talking about this a little while ago that uh, there's that scene where he gets the candy bar. Oh, yes. I love that scene. That's a great scene. And uh, he takes a bite. And he, he gets Boy. surprised. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and you, now you got to back up a little bit. you gotta, you got to work your way into the story here, Brent. Uh, you know, so they, they just arrived, and, and nobody knows how to talk to anybody. So this is literally a first contact situation, trying to figure it uh-huh. out. And, and what better way to, to ingratiate yourselves to the strange people you see on the other side of uh, the, the room, and, uh, but, but to offer food? So Daniel Jackson pulls out his a stick chocolate of sugar. candy bar. Uh, it's like a like yeah. a Fifth Avenue or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and he and he and he opens it and he sniffs it and he hands it over to uh, uh, Eric Avari's character. Uh, and and he, he looks at this and he he sniffs it and and he takes a bite and he gets this look of surprise and he's like, Bonny. Bonny way! Bonny way! <laughs> ooh, 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 so tasty, very sweet, very sweet. And so it's like my wife and I moved into this house um, about four or five years ago. And uh-huh. uh, when we moved in, uh, we looked out into the backyard and we noticed that there was a, a little bunny uh, hopping around, living in uh, some of the 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 bushes uh in the backyard and and i asked my wife if we could name the bunny way so that you know says, hey look bunny bunny way <laughs> it's such a cheesy story and it makes me laugh every time oh yeah it uh. it, it really is stupid but i You'll find I laugh at stupid things. <laughs> yeah, well, I do too. I think that that's sort of the charm, and of course, you know that scene. It, it was of course written as a little little gag in the middle of the story, create a little levity, break up the break up the story a little bit in a in a nice fun way. Oh, yeah. I couldn't get over the notion though. Like he hands him a he hands him a candy bar, and uh, by no means am I a health nut, but on the same token, I'm looking at this going. Unless he's been eating processed sugar, he's probably going to think that thing is the worst tasting thing he could have possibly given him. Like the ability to eat a candy bar without any previous experience in extraordinarily sweet objects like it's it just that was another uh, probe probe across the universe moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 like uh, you know that much sugar in that tight a package would shoot his own personal blood sugar through the roof. Yes. I, I can't imagine that his insulin levels would have uh, been able to respond fast enough to such an influx. But probably not. But it made for a great moment. Bonny way. So, so that's what you like. Those are the good it. things. That's that's what I liked. Yeah. Um, I'll go into like an okay point, uh, just because it, it, it. I think it should be mentioned that the the storyline itself is fine. It's fine. It, I think that the biggest surprise moment that I had with the storyline was that moment when uh, the Abydosian language turned out to be just a dialect of ancient Egyptian. Like that was probably the only time that I was like, Hey, Nito, you know, and I'm realizing now that I say that, like, you know, is that really the only surprising thing that I saw when I watched it when I was a kid? Uh, I imagine that there was probably way more aspects that were cool to me at the time, but on the same token, like the movie's called Stargate. Like I'm pretty sure I knew what the movie was about when I walked yeah. in. It, it is your standard blockbuster 
that has everything your standard blockbuster would have. Uh, it's not designed to be uh, a surprising storyline. It's supposed to be a fun, epic romp during the summer. Uh, yes. And it does that very well, um, but it's not going to surprise you really with the storyline. No. Uh, but that said, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Yep. Now, on to the bad stuff. At least the bad stuff that I thought was bad. Uh, I, I am totally fine with giving this movie a pass, right? It is a 24-year-old movie. Uh, it was, it, you know, that's, we're, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's so true. It's approaching a quarter century old, you know, like uh, there's there's a lot that has changed in that time frame. Uh, so w- the thing that I found particularly charming was this aspect about how different the culture was, even though it was only 25 years ago. Well, no, I mean, 24 years is quite a while. It feels recent, right? From my point of view in my lifetime, it feels like it was not that long ago. But looking at it now, it really does feel like it was another era. Uh, The first and most obvious one that I was noticing right off the bat was just how often people were lighting up their cigarettes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It was all the time. Every single moment, I felt like somebody was like pulling out a cigarette and smoking, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, the the biggest that moment for that that, well. that I would just shocked me there um, was was uh, when when Jackson was sharing with everybody that these were star constellations, and so they're in this conference room, and, and this is just before the Stargate is actually revealed to Doctor Jackson, and and I remember watching this just a, a couple weeks ago when 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 I was watching it, uh, that that I'm like, is something wrong with the the Blu-ray that I'm watching? Is there something wrong with my TV? <laughs> Everything looks fuzzy and hazy. <laughs> and then I realized, no, that's because the room is filled with so much cigarette smoke (laughs) that there really is a thick haze in the room. (laughs) Got to the chase, doctor. I've got a pack of cigarettes to smoke. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the amount... And you know what? Actually, I was realizing it kind of colored my interpretation of some of the character moments, too. So uh, towards the beginning, right, when the Air Force folks were driving up to O'Reilly? O'Reed? What's his name? O'Neill, uh, when he was, they were driving up to O'Neill's house, and they walk in the door, and his, uh, you know, a woman who is presumably his wife, of course, we realize it is afterwards, uh, a woman is sit- standing at the uh, kitchen sink, uh, clearly upset about something, and at some point pulling out a cigarette and lighting up, and, it, you know, in the kitchen, which was a completely common occurrence once upon a time. It's not like it's, com- it, it, it's like, bananas not real or something you know i mean it's very plausible especially in that era but it just felt so out of place looking at it now and as a result um i couldn't get around thinking you know like okay so she's clearly upset but what is she upset about like maybe she's just really ticked off at her husband or something with the benefit of hindsight, no, she's grieving the loss of a child. I mean, that's a gigantic thing. Mm-hmm. And like, if you lose a kid, you're allowed to do whatever the heck you want, like, including, you know, sticking 10 cigarettes in your mouth at the kitchen sink, if you want. like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's definitely a pass that should be given. Um, but 
somehow that just didn't age that gracefully like that moment and so as a result i'm just kind of sitting there going like why is she smoking what's going on yeah and then i was like oh i see what's going on and then uh it's you know the frequency with which like o'neill's like you know just lighting up cigarettes uh, left and right uh handing one off to a kid here try this out kid it'll be hilarious <laughs> Now, you do get just a smidge of a PSA there when he says, yeah, you really shouldn't smoke. I shouldn't either. And he puts the cigarette out. So so you do get just that little smidge of a PSA. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, they're lighting up. Suffice it to say, um, I'm pretty certain you won't see more than a handful of cigarettes, if even that, in all ten seasons of the TV show. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. So, I mean, even that moving from a, the movie platform to the television platform and just a couple of years later when things start, uh, already you're starting to see that, that change in how you uh, portray things cinematic, cinematically. Sure. Well, and also moving from the big screen to the small screen. That's true. Right? But it did you know, start it's... on um, Showtime. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, so they had latitude. So, they could have... you know... Um, they could have showed them drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just you wait. Just you wait. Just me wait. Until I will Children wait. of the Gods. I mean. And uh, we'll see what you have hmm. to say about that. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers, no yeah. spoilers. Okay, I will do my best not to spoil anything for Brent. <laughs> but I might tease things a few times. <laughs> just tease it a little bit. So then another thing that I noticed, uh, so this movie was filmed just a mere four years after the West's great triumph over communism. And... It's so funny how today, if you were showing me a movie about some research into ancient alien civilization, I would expect to see like NASA in the picture, but kind of alongside like a civilian corps of some kind. Nope, not Stargate. The whole thing run top to bottom by a bunch of missilemen. Like it just felt so confident in the like, you know, Americana way of like, hey, we got a gigantic research project that we need to have solved. Who do we send? We send the Air Force. That's who we send. Yeah. Now, uh, it makes sense that they would do that, right? NASA is uh, under the auspices of the Air Force. Is that right? That's, That's right. right, Zach. You know, so uh, it makes sense that that is the case. But on the same token, it just felt, again, like a, like a, like an, uh, a moment from another era. Uh, along with the other aspect of militarism, you can solve all your problems by just handing out guns. Yeah. How many, uh, the- how many guns did they bring with them? You know, that's a question you really shouldn't ask yourself, because if you do, uh, and you start counting the number of guns that are on Abydos, uh, it it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> like they brought the entire arsenal with them uh, for four dudes and a scientist, or five, however well, many, or six, know, dudes six or eight guys or something like that. But, yeah. but uh, there's an awful lot of weapons. Uh, going around there, and now, admittedly, uh-huh. they did bring a nuclear device with them, so uh-huh. they probably uh-huh. had more than a few magazines and clips. And uh, forgive me, anybody out there who knows things about weapons and guns, I am not one of them, so I apologize. So speaking of that nuclear bomb, so uh, we discovered this uh, a little while ago. That uh, so, what's the name of the director again, Zach? Uh, oh shoot, uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. I was watching the movie and they send up a nuclear device up into the belly of an alien ship and the ship goes boom. And I said to myself, wait a minute. I've seen that movie before. It's called Independence Day. And so I vocalized this to Zach a little while ago and he says, Uh, it's the same director. 
And I go, no way. So I look it up. Sure enough, Stargate was filmed in 94 and he filmed Star, uh, the, uh, uh, he filmed Independence Day two years later, or it was released two years later with the very same, uh, uh, you know, heroic ending in both movies. How he managed to get two blockbuster movies in with the exact same ending and get it past people's uh, radar is beyond me, but good on him. Uh, I, I will uh, return us to the point that this is a blockbuster movie and the plot doesn't surprise anybody. Yeah. So that's how. That's how. Uh, and then I think you mentioned it a little bit before about how like it's been 10,000 years since the Stargate on Abydos was destroyed, yet somehow people still recognize writing or can still speak a dialect of that egyptian that that they had once heard or spoken you know it's a little that's a little far-fetched and yet and yet then you know they're not supposed to do anything with writing it was banned by raw you know thousands and thousands of years ago and yet the only reason that dr jackson discovers that he just needs to learn a few vowel points and he can speak with these people <laughs> is when they say, hey, see that picture, that hieroglyph? This is how you say that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it did make me kind of wonder if there's like some underground like university, like way underground, like with a whole bunch of people in deep hoods uh, shuffling forbidden knowledge for a few shekels back and forth. Like, you know, like, I don't know if uh, if that's really what was been going on for the past 10,000 years, but uh Again, it's probably one of those things that's best left undis- just undisturbed. Right. Just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's fun for us after the fact now by quite a number of years to look back and say, really? Is 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 that really what have, what would have happened? Right. Uh, but, you know, in the end, uh, the purpose of the movie uh, really is to just sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, and if you don't think too hard, uh, you will find this just a fun movie. Um, now is there anything so that was kind of it that was sort of my observations on mm -hmm. it the good and the bad uh now is there anything that uh would be particularly helpful for me to think upon or recall as we are about to go headlong into the actual television series so like like is there anything that's specifically drawn from this movie into the television series that i should be like aware of that'll make my enjoyment of the series heightened um you know, you're going to see a lot of the same type of uh, uh, architecture uh, moving forward. Um, I don't know if that's going to help you a whole lot. Um, you, there's going to be more uh, development of of who the bad guys are and what they do and how they mm -hmm. live and all of that stuff. Um, uh, I, I will say that uh, that room where Shaore and uh, 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 Daniel learn how to communicate with each other uh, will come into play again at least in the first couple of episodes uh, of the series um, um, I don't know how much of the sets and props and whatnot of the movie they actually ended up using um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, Roland Emmerich and I think uh, Dean Devlin or, or Devlin I can't Something like that. Somebody out there is going to correct me on that. Uh, but the, they were the, the the brains behind the movie Stargate, uh, and and they don't have any uh, control over what happens with the TV series. Um, mm -hmm. um, I, I think 
it, it is good to have a general knowledge and you know just kind of that fresh picture of the movie in your head uh, as we enter into the TV show you'll you'll start to recognize a couple of things here and there and it's just oh okay and and things that you see in the background uh, and even the foreground for that matter will be, get fleshed out more and you'll learn more about them yeah cool yeah well I think I can, that's kind of it. Yeah, that's 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 my thoughts on the uh, movie. I, I got one more question for you. This is sure. spur of the moment. It's not even in our notes. So uh-huh. you've now seen the movie. Uh huh. What would you rate the movie? Oh, where would out you of put many? the movie? What's my scale? You can choose the scale. Okay. And you got to choose um, what, what what the the scale is. Okay, so I'm going to choose a scale of. Um, let's see. I'm going to choose a scale of, of whatever that quartz mineral was. Uh, we don't actually ever learn the name of it in the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. But we do find out in the TV show that that material, the material of the Stargate itself is called Naquada. Naquada. So I'm going to rate it on a, a, a Naquada scale. Okay. Uh, a scale of, of one to five Naquada. And I rate Stargate the movie a uh, nice three and a half Naquita out of five. Three and a half Naquita out of five. Uh, Solid movie, good fun, great effects. Story was a bit linear, but that's okay. Uh, and uh, just a just a just a rollicking good time. You know, I would agree with you. I think that if I had to rate this uh, out of uh, five Naquita, uh, I would give it probably also three and a half. Naquita hey. out of five. Uh-huh. So I think we're right okay. in the same spot. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens moving yeah, forward. Yeah, as time goes on. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much for listening to us. Uh, this is my very first podcast recording ever. Well, uh, we did do episode zero before, but you don't want to listen to that one. So nope, this is really the first one. Uh, so yes. as we go, I'll learn more about what it means to podcast, and Brent will learn more about uh, what it means to love Stargate. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Thanks so much. All right. All right. So we'll see you guys later. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> <laughs>